Hi, I'm Norm Tabler with this month's edition of The Lighter Side of Health Law. Strangest Argument of the Month Award. This month's Strangest Argument Award goes to the plaintiff in a Georgia med mal case. During voir dire, it turned out that two prospective jurors were married to each other. Questioned by both lawyers and the judge, the two insisted that they could act independently of each other. The court was satisfied, but the plaintiff's lawyer wasn't. She moved to strike both the husband and the wife for cause. When the plaintiff lost the case, she appealed. Did she argue that the court should have struck one half of the married couple for cause? No. She insisted that when a husband and wife are called, both of them must be struck. The appeals court couldn't make any more sense of the argument than the trial court. The case is Thomas v. Mazir, Georgia Court of Appeals. The Platypus Award. The Platypus Award, named for the world's strangest animal, goes to the person in healthcare who does or says the strangest thing of the month. This month's platypus goes to pharmacist, or should I say ex-pharmacist, Stephen Brandenburg, formerly with Wisconsin's Aurora Medical Center. Steve purposely spoiled 57 vials containing 570 doses of Moderna COVID-19 vaccine by removing them from refrigeration. At first, Steve said it was an accident, but that wasn't very convincing since he had done it not once but twice. He eventually admitted that he did it on purpose. Why? Because, Steve says, the vaccine alters a person's DNA. That's strange enough, but even more strangely, Steve apparently believes that spoiled vaccine is good for you, so he silently watched as his colleagues administered vaccine that neither they nor the recipients knew was spoiled. Steve was arrested for recklessly endangering society, adulterating a prescription drug, and criminal damage to property. 97 seconds can be an eternity. If you don't think 97 seconds can be an eternity, just ask the lead plaintiff's counsel in the price-fixing class action against endopharmaceuticals. Make that former lead counsel, which is where the 97 seconds comes in. The lead plaintiff was a pension fund that purchased Indo stock in November 2016. That purchase occurred somewhere around the time that the media reported publicly that the stock price had been artificially inflated. That posed the question whether the purchase occurred before or after the publication. The pension fund and its counsel maintained that the purchase was before the publication, but that there was no way to know exactly when it was made. That turned out to be untrue. The pension fund's investment advisors had a record of the timing of the purchase down to the exact second. That record proved that the fund made the purchase shortly after the publication. How shortly? 97 seconds. But it may as well have been a week because it meant that the pension fund had constructive, if not actual, knowledge of the scheme when it made the purchase. The judge threw the pension fund out as lead plaintiff and the law firm out as lead counsel, all for 97 seconds. The case is Alexandre Pelletier versus Indo International Eastern District, Pennsylvania. Having your case and settling it too. When Ray Ann Walling died, her husband Michael sued Dr. Brenya for negligence and the Toledo Clinic for negligent credentialing. Michael alleged that the doctor failed to spot a deadly condition when he reviewed Ray Ann's x-ray and that the clinic was negligent for credentialing him. Dr. Brenya testified that, frankly, he could not remember even reviewing the x-ray and he conceded that, yes, failing to do so falls below the standard of care. After his testimony, Dr. Brenya gave up and settled with Michael. Michael proceeded with his negligent credentialing case against the clinic. It's a slam dunk, right? Yes, but maybe not the way you think. The court threw out Michael's case, granting the clinic summary judgment, and the Court of Appeals affirmed. Why? Because a negligent credentialing case requires a showing of negligence by the doctor who was credentialed. The standard form settlement agreement Dr. Brenya signed contained a denial of any negligence. But what about Dr. Brenya's testimony? Doesn't that prove negligence? No, said the court. The testimony was evidence... But if the case against him had proceeded, there would have been competing evidence, and the jury might well have decided that the doctor was not negligent, all of which proves that you can't have your case and settle it too. 
The case is Walling versus Brynja, Ohio Court of Appeals. Pharma Bro, Part 4. There ought to be a podcast dedicated solely to the antics of Pharma Bro Martin Screlly, the young man who acquired a monopoly on a life-saving HIV drug and raised the price by 5,000%. Indicted for securities fraud, he argued, the real reason they indicted me for these crimes is that I'm a jerk. The jury didn't think being a jerk was a good defense and sent Martin to prison. In Part 2, he was sued for a $250,000 debt and asserted the I am an idiot defense. The son of the creditor advised me to sign the note, and only an idiot would have followed that advice. In Part 3, Martin sued to be released so that he could find a cure for COVID and save the world. The judge sided with the DOJ, which argued that A, Martin knew nothing about vaccines, and B, if he found a vaccine, he would probably hold it hostage. Now, in Part 4, Martin is sued for early release, claiming he's at high risk for COVID. Why is that? Well, reasons Martin. It's stressful in here. Stress is bad for my mental health, and poor mental health will put me in the high-risk category, QED. G, ruled the judge, I've read and reread the CDC's risk factor list, and mental health disorders just are not on there, request denied. Part 5 will probably be when Martin pleads insanity, citing his arguments in Parts 1 through 4 as evidence. The case is U.S. versus Screlly, Eastern District, New York. Paying for the sins of your client. Here's a case that should send chills down the spine of every lawyer who hears about it. Lawyers Bill Amlong and Jennifer Daly represented Deborah Eldridge in suing her former employer, ED Care Management, for violation of Title VII of the Civil Rights Act and its Florida counterpart. The company repeatedly tried to get Deborah to return material she wrongfully took when she was fired, including a laptop, flash drive, disks, and boxes of documents. The lawyers knew she had all the requested property, but told her it was okay to return only one laptop and one binder. The upshot? Bill and Jennifer, the lawyers, must pay ED Care $400,000 in attorney's fees, and they're both suspended from law practice for 91 days, all because they allowed their client to hold onto her former employer's property. The cases are Florida Bar versus Daly and versus Amlong, Florida Supreme Court. Be kind to animals. In some ways, it's an old story. Jennifer Emmy's husband ran off with the young au pair. So, like a wronged woman in a Lifetime movie, Jennifer asked ranch hand Tim Lindsay to kill the au pair. Tim was receptive. He suggested a fee, which Jennifer said was fine. But, just as in a Lifetime movie, Tim was only playing along to gather evidence against Jennifer, recording their conversations for the police, who then arrested Jennifer for solicitation of murder. But there's a twist. Jennifer is not just any wronged woman. She's a nationally known animal rights lawyer, founder of the nonprofit Animal Law Center, featured several times in ABA publications. That made me think of the scene in Godfather 1 when Rocco has just shot Polly, and Clemenza tells him, leave the gun, take the cannoli. I wonder, did Jennifer tell Tim, shoot the au pair, feed the cat? Well, that's it for this month's edition of The Lighter Side of Health Law. I hope you enjoyed it. Check your AHLA Weekly and Health Law Connections magazine for the next edition.